0: Welcome everybody. Glad that you're with us this morning. Hey, can we pray before we jump into the Word today? Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for this morning. And God, we ask you today to just move mightily in our hearts, our minds, and our spirit. And God, I pray that you'd open us up and I pray that you'd open up heaven to us today. Would you anoint the preaching of your Word and would you anoint our ears to receive it? In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I'm so glad to be with you this morning. My name is Pastor Jamie. I'm I lead our Eunice campus along with my wife, and and I'm just glad to be with you today. And I I hope to bring a message to you today that's gonna give us um, a greater understanding of what's what's going on right now and why. I I have a tendency to ask God that question. God, why are you doing this? Or why are we walking through that? A couple of weeks into the pandemic, uh, Pastor Josh, during a staff meeting, asked us a question. And this is how the question went. He said, He said, has COVID-19 been an interruption or has it been a disruption to us? And man, it was such a good question. I chewed on it for several days and I came to the realization it's been a disruption because quite honestly, everything that we've known uh, in in our lives has been turned upside down. Church has been turned upside down. Uh, We've been ordered to stay home. We can't go to places like we normally were able to. Some freedoms have been taken away all in the name of trying to save lives and and, and and deal with this pandemic. And so he asked that question and I started to think through, what does this disruption look like and why a disruption? God, why is this going on right now? And I wanna just briefly help you understand the difference between an interruption and a disruption from the way I see it. The way I see it, an interruption is a brief break in what you're doing to to implement something or take something out and then you continue to go along the way that you were going before. It was just an interruption, just a break or something that came in and just broke the momentum and then you continue with that thing. To me, a disruption is when when you're going along and then something happens and everything gets turned upside down and you can't go back to the way things used to be. And so I wanna bring a message to you today called disrupted for purpose because i believe that god has a purpose in everything when i read my bible i read and i I constantly see that god is always turning the hearts of man back to himself one of my life verses is proverbs chapter 16 verse 9. it says this we can make our plans but the lord determines our steps the thing I love about that verse is this, is that God gives us the right and responsibility to make our plans, but he wants us to trust him to determine our steps. And sometimes I believe that's where the wrestle is. So when I read my Bible, God's constantly turning people's hearts back to himself. A couple of other things that I see that God's constantly doing is he's bringing and making course corrections for us along the way during this life's journey. And then sometimes the disruption is simply him showing us the next steps that we need to take. And sometimes we don't like that because it wasn't the next step that we thought we should have took. But it's God's step. And then sometimes the disruption comes because it's there to show us that that there's some things in our life that God wants to change. He wants to change in us. He wants to change around us. And then sometimes God wants to change some things through us. And so that's my my message for today, and I hope to just give us a greater understanding of what's going on. I know this much to be true right now, is that we were used to living a certain way, (laughs) but that has changed. And I got news for you today, I don't think we can go back to the way we used to be. And so when Jesus entered the world, Think about this for a minute. When Jesus came to the planet, he disrupted the religious system of the time. And he disrupted it. He turned it upside down. And by the way, he's still doing that today. I know as a pastor, Jesus is constantly disrupting the things that we have planned, the things that we want to do, or the things that we even think we should do. He's disrupting those plans because he wants us to go his way. I wanna show you a few disruptions in the Bible this morning. And then I'm gonna bring you to the nation of Israel and show you God's heart during a disruption. And then I hope to wrap the message up with a few things to help you process this disruption that we're going through right now. So Paul's disruption, in the book of Acts chapter 16, you find one of many of Paul's disruptions. Him and Silas were on a mission. They were preaching the gospel, traveling all over, planting churches, establishing the church in all these different cities. And I believe Paul and Silas sat down together one day before they took off. And I believe they, they put a map together. They plotted out their course. We're gonna preach here, we're gonna preach there, we're gonna go here. And I believe it was an efficient plan. I believe if he would've submitted it to Peter and John, they would've said, man, this is a good plan. I think you ought to run with it. I think they made a good plan. But I wanna show you where God disrupted their plan a little. Acts chapter 16, verse six to 10. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia, because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north to the province of of Bithynia, but again, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. (laughs) So instead, they went through Mysia to the seaport of Troas, That night, Paul had a vision. Now listen to this. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave from Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news over there. Do you see it? They had a plan. They were trying to go to this city. Holy Spirit stopped them. They moved on, tried to go to the next city. Holy Spirit stopped them. Then one night as he's sleeping, God gives him a dream. And in his dream, God basically tells Paul and Silas, you're to go to Macedonia. Now there was nothing wrong with their plan. It's just God was determining their steps. You see, we gotta come to the understanding that it's God who knows the timing on everything. It's God that knows who he wants to send where to do what and when to do it. And we need to just sit back and trust that plan. And I want you to hear what's not being said in these verses. (laughs) This might help us today. This is what's not being said. Paul threw himself on the ground and had a tizzy fit. Silas complained, griped, and wrote letters home, fussing and complaining about all that God was frustrating for them. They didn't gripe, they didn't complain, they didn't argue, they didn't even try to force their way. If you read through it again, you'll see when the Holy Spirit prevented them, they just moved on. Isn't that good? They just went with it. I want you to hear this statement this morning. Don't ever forget, we were first called to follow. We were never called to run ahead of God, but to follow, to follow his leadership. So now let me show you even some of Jesus' disruptions. You're gonna love this story. It's found in Mark chapter six. It's it's when the the disciples and Jesus fed over 5,000 people. I wanna show you the first portion of this story. It says it in Mark chapter six, verse 30 and 31. It says, the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his disciples didn't even have time to eat. So check this out. The disciples come back from this ministry tour. They've been out ministering. And if you've ever spent a day or more ministering to people, it's exhausting. It's taxing. They're tired, but they're excited and they want to share everything with Jesus. And then listen, Jesus makes this plan. This is Jesus's plan. He says, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. Okay. They're tired. They need to rest. They haven't eaten. And they want to share the great stories of all that God did through them. And Jesus makes this plan to cross over this lake to go to the other side, to get away from the crowd so that they could find that place to rest and eat and celebrate. But I wanna show you something. Jesus announces it, they're all exhausted, and they execute the plan. They hop in and they take off across. What they didn't know was, is that waiting for them on the other side was the crowd that they just left. You see, the crowd was so hungry for what Jesus had, that they ran around the lake and beat him to the other side, which I think is pretty incredible. So they land on the other side. They get out of the boat thinking they're going to eat, they're going to rest, and they're going to celebrate. And boom, here's all the people. (laughs) And then something special happens. The disciples get an opportunity to learn some things about Jesus that they didn't previously know. So watch this. The Bible says that Jesus, when he saw the crowd, he had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. What did the disciples disciples get to see in that moment? They got to see that people are Jesus's priority. He was hungry. He was tired. He wanted to hear their great story, but there was people there. There's some results that come out of this disruption. God turned upside down even Jesus' plans, and disrupted his plans, and the disciples get to walk through the experience of what happens in the middle of a disruption. Jesus kicked it back into gear said we're going back after people again. There's another opportunity here He preaches and teaches the people and he goes on and on and I imagine the disciples were like bro That's enough like can we move on? You know, I'm hungry like we're supposed to be resting and Jesus is just steady feeding the people spiritually Until finally the disciples come and they say you know what? It's getting late We've not eaten you've not eaten And they haven't eaten. Can we send them off so that they can go and get themselves something to eat? And then Jesus flips the script. I love this part. He goes, you feed them. (laughs) You feed them. Then they make a bunch of excuses. And he basically says, give me what you got. And they bring him some loaves and some fish. Jesus takes the loaves and the fish, lifts them up towards heaven, blesses them, breaks them apart, and then hands it to each of the disciples to go and distribute to the people over 5,000 people. And the disciples walked back with 12 baskets full after everybody ate until they were satisfied. What's the results of this disruption? This was a disruption with a purpose. The disciples saw firsthand the most important thing to Jesus and that's people, like I said before. They saw Jesus lay down his life in a moment when they knew he was hungry and they knew he was exhausted. They saw him go for more. He laid down his life. They got to feel what real ministry was like. They were in the middle of a miracle moment. Think about this. And they didn't even know it. They didn't even know what was going on. All they knew was that they were being disrupted in this moment. Not even understanding or seeing that they were in the middle of a miracle. They got to get involved. And then watch this one. I love this one. With their own hands they got to feel the moment of the miracle. The disciples carried the baskets back. Each one of them had a full basket when they came back. What was in that one basket was probably more than what they started with. I bet the disciples were pretty grateful for that disruption when it was all said and done, even though they weren't grateful for it in the middle of it. Now, I don't want you to think that God's some cruel sadistic God who loves to inflict pain on people. That's not God. That's not my father. That's not the God that we serve. He's a loving God that cares for us. And I want to show you his love for us through the nation of Israel. In the book of Jeremiah, around chapter 29 is where I'm going to base this story out of. The nation of Israel has found itself in exile. God exiled them or allowed them to be exiled into Babylon. They were taken captive. Think about this. They were pulled out of their homeland and brought into a whole different land where they were now held captive. (laughs) We thought it was bad because we were forced to stay home. They got taken from their homes. I'll take staying home. Thank you very much. (laughs) Their lives were turned upside down. Everything that they had known before, how to live, what to live, what to do, how to do it, Was turned upside down. And they're in exile. And they don't know when they're coming out. Or even if they're coming out. You see, in, 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 in history, it shows that when a, when a country or a people was exiled, they were actually brought into this other country or this other city or or this other nation. And then they were, they stayed there until they were grafted into the culture and became actually a part of that nation. So they were taken from being like Israelites to becoming like Babylonians. And that's, that was typically what would happen when someone was exiled. But we got to remember this is God's people and this is on God's watch. And by the way, you are God's people and you are on God's watch right now. In the middle of a disruption, it's easy to lose our way. And God knows that. I'm going to prove it to you in scripture in just a minute. God knows that it's easy for us to lose our way. It's easy for us to get discouraged and to, be, and to become doubtful and to start questioning too many things and to, and to become just deflated and almost depressed at times. And God knows that. And I want you to hear what he says to the nation of Israel while they are in the middle of a disruption. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 4 to 7. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Listen to the words he uses. Build homes, plan to stay, plant gardens and eat the food they produce, marry and have children, then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply, he says with an exclamation mark. And then he drops this bomb right here. Well, Listen to what he says. Do not dwindle away. He says, do not dwindle away. You know, there's one thing that God doesn't want us to do in this moment, and that's to dwindle away. He continues with this. He says, and work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. So listen, listen to what he says. Let's just review this one more time. He says to build. He says to plan. He says to plant, to marry, to multiply. He says to work for peace and prosperity of your city. He says to pray for your city's welfare. What should we be doing in the middle of this pandemic? Everything that he told the nation of Israel to do. That's what he's telling us to do today. And he's saying this to us even more. Do not dwindle away. Which brings me to a topic I want to just address real quick. That word dwindle is defined as to diminish gradually in size, amount, and strength. To dwindle is to diminish gradually. In other words, you're not going to fade out in an instant. You're going to fade out gradually. It's to diminish gradually in size, in amount, and then in strength. You see, there was another thing at play while they were in exile. There was these false prophets, these fortune tellers, uh, these other named people that were spreading all kinds of rumors and and, and speaking for the Lord and all these things. And the people were finding themselves in a bit of confusion, not, not knowing who to listen to, who not to listen to. Does that sound familiar? Jeremiah 29, 8 to 9 says this, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says, do not let your prophets and fortune tellers who are with you in the land of Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams because they are telling you lies in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. Wow. I've not sent them. God gives them a serious warning in this moment. He says, be careful who you listen to. Don't get tricked. Don't get deceived. Be careful who you listen to. What is he telling us today? He's saying, don't be deceived by the loudest voices that you hear. And there's a lot of chatter going on right now. There's a lot of people saying this and saying that, and everything's loud. The news media is loud. They're pushing blame and, 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 and accusing and all these other things. And if we as a nation, if we as a people, as Christians get caught up in this, we'll diminish away gradually. And we'll dwindle. When all this started happening, I started watching some of my friends who are Christians start to get caught up in conspiracies and lies and theories and all these things, and it hurt. It hurt. There was a frustration that kind of built up inside of me, and I heard God say this, God's people shouldn't be wasting his valuable time chasing nonsense like this. You see, you know what he was really telling the nation of Israel? You keep your eyes on me. Don't get caught up. Just because you're in Babylon, don't become Babylon. Stay Israel, stay my people, stay focused, stay on course, stay the track. What did he say? Build, plan, plant, marry, multiply is what he's saying. Don't get caught up in things that waste your time. And by the way, God's calling us to pray for our cities, not complain about them. He's calling us to pray for our governor and not complain about him. He's calling us to pray for our president and not complain about him. Complaining gets us nowhere, but prayer moves mountains. Can I get an amen? God's plan for his people's never changed. They just needed a course correction. So let me give you the process how I think we should process this disruption we're currently walking in. The first thing I think we need to do is we need to trust what God knows. We need to trust what he knows because you see, he knows more than we know (laughs) and we need to trust what he knows, even if we don't know it. Does that make sense? You got to remember we're called to follow and not run ahead. Jeremiah 29, 10 to 14, this is the last portion of it all. He says this, this is what the Lord says. You will, I want you to listen to the you wills and the I wills in this in these verses. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. God knows the timing. He says, but then I will come and do for you all the things I've promised. And I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and will bring you home again to your homeland." Isn't that good? We got to trust what God knows. When you don't know, you know what you need to do? Trust what God knows. Trust what he knows. And then the second thing we need to do is we need to embrace the disruption. We need to embrace the disruption. I know that sounds awkward. (laughs) How do we do that? (laughs) Like, how do you embrace a disruption? I hope to tell you. I want you to invite God in, like David did, to examine your heart. When something chaotic goes on around you or something gets disrupted, we should always go to God and say, God, is there something you're trying to change in me? Would you examine my heart and show me if there's anything in there that you're displeased with or something that you want to change? God, what do you want to change in me before we ask the question, what do you want to change in the world around me? David did it. I think he he gave us a fine example of what we need to do. And why examine my heart? Because the Bible says this, that the condition of your heart determines the course of your life. God, what's in my heart? Invite him in to examine your family. God, what's going on in my family that needs to change? Is there something you want to add? Something you want to take away? Something you want us to step into that we're not stepping into? Something you want us to step away from that we're not stepping away from? Something that we need to let go of that you want us to let go of? God, I invite you into my world. That's how you embrace the disruption. And then you start to ask the question, God, what do you want me to do about it? Because sometimes he wants you to take action and sometimes he wants you to pray. And then the third thing I think we need to do to process the disruption is to walk it out daily. You see, once you, you know that you can trust what God knows and you've embraced the, the disruption and you've asked God to examine your heart and he shows you everything in there that needs to change or that he wants to add to and you've walked through that, then you've got to walk that thing out. Unfortunately, when you realize it, that isn't when it all changes. It changes as you walk it out. And we need to walk it out daily. Think about this. If he knows the plans that he has for you, and they're good plans, and you want to follow him, then it's going to take us submitting to him daily. Last verse, Luke chapter 9, Jesus makes this statement, and I think it fits today for every one of us. He said to the crowd, "If if if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but are yourself lost and destroyed? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. See, God gives us an invitation to walk with him daily. What does it require? It requires us submitting ourselves to him daily saying, Lord, I want to walk with you today. Watch this, even when I don't feel like it, even when I don't feel like it. So what do we do? How do we process this thing? We trust what God knows. We embrace the disruption and we walk it out daily. And you know what we'll discover eventually is that disruption is a good thing. Disruption has a purpose, and God always has a purpose for us. Can you receive that today? Let's pray. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the message. We thank you for the nation of Israel and the example that they they show us and the example we get to see of your heart for your people and how you care, God, how you care for us, that even in the middle of a disruption, you still have a plan and a purpose. God, help us today to trust what you know. Help us to embrace the disruptions when they come into our lives. And God, help us to walk them out daily. I pray that we learn to walk with you daily, Lord. Help us in that. Give us grace. Give us mercy. and Give us peace. And we thank you for this message today, God. Would you change our lives with it? And right now I want to say that if there's any of you listening that you find yourself today not knowing where you are with God, not knowing what would happen if something serious happened in your life, I want to invite you today into a relationship with Jesus and I want to walk you into that. The Bible says that we can be born again. It's a spiritual birth. It's where God takes us from spiritual death and brings us into spiritual life. It's what Jesus did on the cross when he died for us to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us and put us in right relationship with God. It goes like this. A, we admit that we're sinners and we've fallen short. And then B, we believe in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead and that everything Christ did on the cross is more than enough to put us in right relationship with God. And then see, make a confession today that Jesus is the Lord of your life. And the Bible says that you can be born again today. Would you say that with me today? Would you pray that prayer with me today? Father, we come to you, God admitting that we've fallen short. We're sinners, God, in need of a savior. And God, today, we believe in our hearts that you raised Jesus from the dead and he's sitting at your right hand. And God, we believe that everything that he did on the cross was more than enough to put us in a rightful place with you. And we thank you for that. And God, today, we make this confession that Jesus is my Lord. And so, Lord, I ask you to save us today. I ask you to give us new life. Fill us with your spirit and lead us in this journey.